How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hi, this is Julie Dolan. This is Liz Dolan. This is Sheila Dolan. This is Monica Dolan. This is Leanne Dolan. News, talk, and laughs. We tackle the world one cup of coffee at a time. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. To Satellite to go. Sisters to go. listening to Satellite Sister To Go. This is Julie here with Leanne. And you know, Leanne, all this month, we are, do we have a jam-packed month? We sure do. This week, as you know, we have been picking out our favorite shows. We started with me, the oldest sister, and now it's your turn, the youngest, the baby sister, for your favorite show. Well, but- Julie, it's ironic because I picked one that's just you and me. Oh, Leanne, that's Which, so nice. And that doesn't happen very often, that it's just two sisters on the show. But this was an, an unusual occurrence. Our other sisters were in New York accepting a Gracie Award, and they left us home alone. <laughs> uh, and and so, so we carried on without them. And I, I guess it must have been a fabulous show. But, you know, next week, Leanne, uh, really, I don't know if I can stand this, but we are going to do a whole week of Lab Rats. I mean, I, that's good. so much hilarity packed into one week. I don't know how it's going to work. So much hilarity and, and so very little information. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want information, stick around for the third week. That would be the week of August 25th, because there we have some of our best authors. And, you know, we've really had a cavalcade of an outstanding authors on the show. Do you like the use of the word cavalcade? It's impressive. Yes. Well, I mean, we have everyone from Tina Brown to Nora Roberts to Elizabeth Gilbert. How about Tom Brokaw and Alan Alda? They'll all be here the week of the 25th. Then, oh, that first week in September, we are doing what we do best, madness and mayhem. Some of our classic episodes, you know, Officer Rubbish, we had, we were having him back. Leon, apparently you went on a hunger strike or you have a hunger scale. I we're going to be talking, talking about that. I, I Some, think, if, think if you look at me, you see I've never been on a hunger strike. <laughs> That's clear. No, Leanne, Leanne. <laughs> but you do have some fabulous stories about some of your hiking mishaps. Mm-hmm. That will all be part of the Madness and Mayhem Week. But now, Leanne, back to your show. Really, I should say our show. Which one was it? Well, it was the one, um, it was the very first Intrasister contest, which really we didn't set up as a contest at the time. We were just looking for some kind of gimmick to get us through the show because it was just going to be the two of us. Mm -hmm. And so, Julie, we decided to see if you could actually cook a Rachel Ray 30-minute meal in 30 minutes. Oh, yes. Okay, so let's not give away the results Mm because I know people have not heard the show and they are waiting to hear it. But I can just set it up a little bit by saying the day before we did this show, we had listeners vote on what we would make, right? Remember, we posted uh, several menus. Several different recipe menus. We were at, we were... You, we were in your hands. You voted on what we should make. We had to like run to the store, get all the ingredients, and make it in 30 minutes. And so now you will hear 
can you actually make a Rachel Ray 30-minute meal in 30 minutes? It's a universal question, so yeah. you definitely <laughs> want to listen. But, you know, Leon, I wanted to ask you about Olympic fever. Uh-huh. I know you have a lot of it going on sure. in your house. It's been so exciting. But we have, for for everyone, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com because we have the question of the week this week is, in what event do you believe you could bring home the gold? And I want you to think of event in the broadest terms. Don't limit yourself to track and field or swimming or gymnastics. Maybe it's some, some special skill that you, only you have. Well, it's not gymnastics. I can tell you in my case. So I'm, I'm glad. I know. We have glad really you're encouraging us I mean, to really. Maybe I can do this trick with my thumb. I'm thinking of entering <laughs> in as an Olympic event. I mean, that's the way you should think about it. We've gotten some very funny responses. We want more. So go to SatelliteSisters.com and tell us in what event do you think you can bring home the gold. Also, we're asking you to give us links to your favorite blogs at Sister Spot. What are you reading? Which ones do you check in? Maybe it's about TV or fashion or books or music or health or travel, just let us know at SatelliteSisters.com. Add the link. We want to add to our blog role, so we're asking you, our Satellite Sisters, to help us out. Leanne, my palms are getting sweaty just thinking about this Rachel Ray contest all over again. It's a good one. You know, here we go. Sisters, thanks for being here today with us. It's Julie and Leanne back together again while our other sisters still in New York. We're going to get the update on what happened last night at the Gracie's. Hey, Jewel, looking good there in the webcam. What's that you're wearing? I, I'm all dressed up, Leanne. You are dressed up. This is my, the new me. You know, I like to get, I like to accessorize the whole thing going. But I'm happy to be back with you, Leanne. I'm enjoying this. I'm, I miss the other sisters. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I mean, I'm, I'll be happy when they return. But this is just fine with me, Leanne. It is. We get to talk about the things we really care about, Julie, and that's yes. important. Yes. First of all. Harry and William, last <gasps> night with oh. Matt Lauer, we're going to talk about that. A full report, a full breakdown. There was so much that was not said and so much that needs to be said about what was said. Exactly, so. Julie, exactly. Well phrased. Also, ha- have you recovered? Are you still sweating from trying to make the Rachel Ray meal in 30 minutes? That was something last night. And you and I decided we were going to attempt. They're different menus, different menus. But you and I are attempt, attempted to make Rachel Ray's one of her 30-minute meals. The whole thing, you know, with the entree, the side course, and the dessert in 30 minutes. Yes. I'm still shaking. Lynn. I know. I'm we, traumatized. We have not talked about it with each other. We have kept our results hidden. We will be revealing them. Uh, thank you. I made the meatball subs. It was the most popular item. It was voted on last week. If you're just dying, if you can't wait, you can go to the website. You can see the Rachel Ray recipes that we right. made. I did stuffed portobello mushrooms and a bread salad. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I just can't wait to talk about <laughs> me this. Me too. Me too. Oh, this will be fun. We are going to update you on the Gracies, but again, at SatelliteSisters.com, you can see Sheila, Monica, Liz, and our beautiful producer, Joanne DeLeos-Young, in all their black tie glory. Lots of fun pictures already on the website. And then later on in the show, we're taking a more serious look at caregivers and Alzheimer's. All right, Julie, we're talking to Barbara Kantowitz from Newsweek magazine, who does such an excellent job reporting on health issues. 
Yes. It was the cover story of Newsweek last week, um, but you can still find the information on their website. Boy, some of the numbers are astonishing. Five million Americans currently suffering from Alzheimer's. Seventy percent of them are are living at home, basically being cared for by a child or a spouse. That surprised me, Lee, and I didn't realize that 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 is that's the primary care for this disease, and that has a tremendous effect on the whole family. So um, Barbara's report was so revealing, so touching. And just very moving. Right. If you are a caregiver or one of your family members has Alzheimer's, you're going to want to stay tuned. And we'd love to hear from you later on in the show about the toll that it takes on your family or what you've learned. 866-33-SISTER is our number. 866-337-4783. But first, Jill, I have to ask because you made the Rachel Ray 30-minute meal yes. for your son and his girlfriend are visiting. Yes. So I have visitors at my wow. house, which was added pressure. But they were in on it. They were they were totally game, you know, because I said, well, you know, this is we're doing this for the show. Leon is making it in Pasadena. I want to make it here in Dallas. But added to that, because this is their visit to Dallas, we wanted to do something fun with them. Mm hmm. Before we made the meal. So right. there was a lot of pressure, Lee, and I was like, re- but what? Well, the, what, you know what? You couldn't start the 30-minute meal before the alleged start time, you know? You that's true. You couldn't start it that's, early in the day. That's true. So what we did yesterday, we played a little tourist after the show yesterday, and we went to the sixth floor museum at Dealey Plaza. Does that ring a bell? Uh only it's, six floor. I, I'm guessing something to do with the Kennedy assassination. Well, this is it's sort of, that's an unusual name for this museum, but that's the official name, the Sixth Floor Museum at Dealey Plaza, and this, of course, is the former Texas Book Depository. Okay. So this is the site, and what this museum does, it chronicles the assassination of JFK, both his life and the assassination of JFK, mm-hmm. and um, the, the museum, the book depository, is no longer owned by the Texas school system. It is just a private museum but what the thing that is amazing when you go there when you drive down elm street when you get to this museum you're like this is it this is the spot of all of those historic pictures that we have seen over and over again now i'm the oldest sister leanne and you're the youngest sister so for you you i was not born you were not i was not born when kennedy was assassinated so it didn't but i think for anyone that i was in second grade and i just you know that was the seminal event for me in so many ways i remember that at school when we got the news the teachers were crying the principal was crying we came home early from school mom and dad were both in tears over this terrible event it was just it was such a you know it was such a major event in our childhood so and of course over the years we have you've all you know you've seen all the um, the pictures mm-hmm. the photographs but you get there and you are completely underwhelmed completely oh, really because it's such a run-of-the-mill site it's just this little building and the grassy knoll which again is so famous or so infamous and in the pictures it looks fairly expansive right tiny little patch of grass oh really you, you just i you are just you oh. can't believe it but then at the same time you really are struck with how close lee harvey oswald was to the presidential motorcade and just you know it's one of those things to actually go to whether it's you know Gettysburg or when you go to a historic site you just gain so much perspective on it what 
So what they've done, they've set it up so that you can tour the sixth floor of the book depository. You mm-hmm. cannot actually stand in the spot where Leah Harvey Oswald, sh- you know, f- shot the president from. They have that kind of glassed off. But you can see they've recreated what it looked like with the boxes of books and where he might have propped up his rifle and, and all the familiar That's facts. That's a little odd. Well, I don't. I don't I mean, know. Was why. it creepy? It sounds a little creepy as you describe it, but maybe it's just well. I historical think. At this I point. think it's more historical. You're able to appreciate where he is, and but what I think what you're struck with is, my gosh, he was so close. That I I always thought when you look at the pictures of that book depository, you, I always thought it was farther away mm-hmm. from the street. It's right on the street. Oh. It was, he was right over it. And the other thing I never realized, which I'm sure people who have studied this a little more carefully than I have, is that the motorcade had to make a hairpin turn right at the book depository. Oh, so so they slowed down. So they slowed down to, you know, they were going very, very slow. And so when you see the street, again, it's a small street. It is not some major boulevard, which, again, in my mind, maybe because I was a child, I thought that it was a bigger boulevard. I thought the book depository was farther away. And I certainly thought the grassy knoll was more expansive. But I would, I mean, it was very interesting to go through that. I, I would certainly recommend that you... You know, it costs to go in, but there's an additional $3.50 for the audio tour. Go for it. Oh, you know, yeah, I always go for the audio oh, tour. Oh, those are... It's always worth it. You, you're tempted not to pay the extra money, and you think you're going to look geeky, but then you get so much more out of any museum. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But and it was fun. It was interesting to go through it with my son and his girlfriend, and my husband was there, just because, you know, for them, it's not the same event. For them, 9-11, that was the event they remember. That's where they know where they were they remember that very vividly this is they were interested in it and fascinated in it in it but it didn't have the same personal connection mm-hmm. that it did for my husband and I I mean I I have to say when you see the photographs and it's so well done there the the famous Zabruder films they have donated their films to this museum okay you know but it's interesting this museum only opened in 1989. Yeah, so it's not, I mean, well, even it though... it is fairly recent history. It and, is fairly recent and history. Until yeah. then, there were still all kinds of wild conspiracy theories and things like that. People hadn't really properly digested right. it. I well, think I, it takes that long for history to make sense of itself. Right. Well, I certainly believe all the conspiracy theories. That's the other <laughs> thing, that you seeing... <laughs> come away from it and it was like, are you kidding? We really believe the Warren Commission? I mean, Oh, really? Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, you you know, you go through it and just none of it makes sense that there but was But you just not... said he was so much closer in the motorcade. Well, you understand down. that, but you also wonder when you see where the grassy knoll was and see how close that was to the motorcade, that was a much better angle, much better shot there. And then you also, I mean, just okay. it never okay. made sense in terms of the, you know, the autopsy report that that was missing, you know, the 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 uh, a supposed pristine bullet there was just there's a when you go through there it leaves you with more questions rather than you know some sense of closure even though they've had multiple congressional investigations of this uh, uh i i wanted to join some of the other conspiracy theorists that were wandering through the museum <laughs> i think there were some people there full time working but you know it's just you read the facts you revisit these things and you're like hmm doesn't really make sense. Doesn't really add up. And what about Jack Ruby and how, you know, all what his role was. So it is well worth the visit. And, Leanne, when you come to Dallas, I am going to add that 
to my personal tour of Dallas because I think it is a very interesting part of history. It's a very well done museum and, you know, excellent audio tour. All right, Julie, when we return, I have to ask you some basic questions. Like, how's your house? We haven't had a chance to talk about that yet. And later on in the show, we're having an editor from Traditional Home on to help you, Julie Dolan, organize your knickknacks and paddywhacks. I need so much help, Leanne. All right, it but is we out of control. We haven't talked about the boxes and the this and the that, so we're going to get an update on that. And then the International News Roundup today, Julie covers uh, Prince William and Prince Harry, the Dateline interview. 866-33-SISTER is our number, 866-337-4783. Julie from Dallas, Texas. Coming up later on in the show, we'll give you an update on what happened at the Gracie Awards last night. Sheila, Monica, and Liz were representing the Satellite Sisters. You can check out their photos at SatelliteSisters.com. They look so glamorous. They do look very glamorous. Wow. Good, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for good hair and makeup. I mean, <laughs> not that they aren't glamorous in their everyday life. They are but not glamorous in their everyday not life. Really. Leanne, <laughs> they really aren't. No. But Joanne DeLeas Young, our executive producer, looked fabulous. Yes, unbelievable. Well, she's very beautiful anyway, and uh, but she really looks sensational as well. So you can check those photos out at SatelliteSisters.com. But, Julie, it was funny. Uh, the other night I was having dinner with my husband and oh, family. Oh, that's good. That's nice. And, and Barrick said to me, so how did Julie and Trem like their new house? And I was like, I, I don't know. I haven't really <laughs> talked. I don't get to talk about things like, how do you like your house? Like, that's what you would normally ask somebody who just moved in, but haven't really gotten to that. No, so, no, because we, we talk full time on the air, so we don't get to do that. Well, Leon, here, this this is it. The first night we stayed in our house because we haven't owned a house in, I think it's like 14 or 15 years. That's we, a long time. I forgot. Is, you had that whole long, rental period. Yes, we, we were, you know, in these temporary job assignments, then we were overseas, and so... So it's been a long time. First night we're in the house, we're, we're, we're sleeping in the house. 3.30 in the morning, my husband wakes me up. And he said, you hear that? You hear that? Oh, no. You hear that? You hear that water? So he makes me get up. And <laughs> we have to go over to the wall in the bathroom and press our ears up against the wall. And he hears water running down the pipes. And so he's convinced that this is some giant leak in the house. So it's 3.30 in the morning, yeah. right? you know, we, and we've got our ears up to the pipe. And then we're like, well, maybe, I don't know, maybe, you know, somebody, maybe it was something, some water running, a toilet flushing. So then we go back to bed. Then we, but we have to now monitor this water running 
every what was it we don't know leanne we don't know it comes it goes but it's just it's just the huge responsibility that these pipes and this water is are now ours right and, and so we're, we're readjusting to that we're readjusting to that we don't think it's any i think it's the hot water heater i'm not sure but we don't have any water nothing has burst but that's pretty much what we thought what was happening the first night so do you have all the boxes put away no no we are overwhelmed we are overwhelmed we are exhausted but we love it we love having our own house but we just don't know where anything is because we had we we had all the stuff we had overseas plus the stuff that was in storage you know that we a lot of it we don't need you can't our garage is so jammed you can't even move in it you can't even i can't even get in it to figure out what i would want to donate or what i'd want to keep it's just too jammed up wow julie i thought you'd so, be further along no no and then i have things just curious things there's one lampshade in the living room but there's no lamp there's no <laughs> so Every day since we've been there, I look at it, and then I take it, and I move it to the dining room. And then at the end of the day, I see the lampshade, the lone lampshade on the dining room table, so I take it back to the living room. I'm just not making progress on things like that. Are you getting lost in boxes, like opening them and then spending hours yes, sort of yes, looking at Yes, because, you know, some of content. it is fun. Yeah. I mean, we found a box that had all of the Little League memorabilia from our kids. You oh. know, all those buttons that you yes. buy, booster buttons, buttons, and the little poster, poster boards of the kids, you know, so... That you just, okay, you get detoured and sidetracked and, you know, you just sort of sit down and look at that stuff. So that's, that's been fun to do. Do you have a vision of where, what you want the house to look like? Because we are going to get you some decorating help later on in the show with the editor of Traditional Home. Can you articulate your vision? I, I'll try, Lane. I'll, I'll try. <laughs> okay. If she could just find some place to put the lampshade. Yeah. And if she knows anything about water in pipes, that would be good, too. I it bet it's your sprinkler system outside. Leon, see, this is good. See, we haven't know we haven't had a sprinkler system before, so <laughs> okay. it's all, right. all new to us, Leon. We're the Satellite Sisters coming up. The International News Roundup. Did you see Harry and William last night? What'd you think? Eight six six thirty three sisters. Stay with us. Satellite Sisters, I forgot that it was me. I'm so... (laughs) You mesmerized. I know we're going to talk about the princes, William and Harry, last night on Dateline, but Minnie from Las Vegas, hold on, because uh, I want to get to your call. 866-33-SISTER is our number. You're listening to Satellite Sisters, and that music means time for the International News Roundup Special Edition. Special Edition, that's right, Liam, because we are staying right here. We are talking about the Matt Lauer interview on NBC last night with Prince Harry and Prince William. Here's the headlines. Two princes speak they speak Liam. <laughs> i know we never get to hear them talk no and they talked they used words <laughs> they opened their mouths we see all these still photographs we see all the video but we we see them in people magazine but we don't get to hear them speak and that was it but here's the other part of the headline they say nothing Liam. <laughs> And that probably has has a lot to do with Matt Lauer. 
my gosh. Well, he said at the beginning of the interview that this, he made a point of saying this is unscripted, like they agreed to, you know, unscripted questions. Yes. But don't you think there were gigantic areas about which he was not able to ask? Absolutely. No, yes. that was, I mean, the, Prince Harry and Prince William were totally in control. Let me, now, if you didn't see the interview, what was was fascinating about it is that it was most of it was shot inside and they had Prince Harry and Prince William that, I, I hate to use this word, but they looked so darn buff. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> they were just tall and lanky and they were draped over the sofa that seemed somehow smaller scale than them, which made them look even bigger Right. Did you notice that they were, and they weren't really sort of sitting up all proper or like princes. They were draped, and they had big long arms and big big long legs, and they were wearing just very comfortable open collared shirts. Now, in contrast, Matt Lauer was in this giant overstuffed chair. <laughs> he did. And he looked like he looked like he was like like sitting like four levels below. I don't know what happened. And he looked like Edith Ann in a yes, suit. Yes, he did look like Edith Ann. Thank you. And then what was with Matt? He had on a, a shirt, a sweater, and a blazer. No, he was he, he was stuffed, not buffed. <laughs> he was just. It was a very bizarre contrast because the princes were so casual, so casual, and so Tam. It was like they were in a different climate. <laughs> Than Matt Lauer. <laughs> I, 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 so that was that was amazing. And you know, again, they were just they were very relaxed. They were charming. They were they have a sense of humor. They're witty. But they were so relaxed because they knew Matt Lauer was not going to ask them anything we really wanted to know. No, I would say. Would you estimate eighty percent of his questions were about the press? Oh, I know. 80%. He, every angle on every topic from the death to their romances to yes. their friends was the press angle. What is it like for the press to talk about this or Bob? That is all they talked about. Now, see, this, that's not what I would do as the Satellite Sister Royal Reporter for you. I would have gotten in there. I would have sat on a pillow. So I would be up a little <laughs> taller than Matt Lauer. Okay. And I would have asked the question that every single young American woman wanted to know, which is when Prince Harry and Prince William are going to come to America and start dating American women. That's... When are they coming to America? <laughs> they so clearly haven't been here since they went to Disney World. I know. I know. It was this, insane. This is what we wanted to know. And for some reason, Matt Lauer was trying to make this like some head of state interview. You know, he was like, he wanted, kept asking them if they feel normal, right? He yeah, whatever. Like, They're the prince, the future I want to know what their favorite food is. <laughs> I know. I want to know what music Harry likes to listen to. Now, I have to say, when looking at Harry was probably the most startling to me because, you know, Prince William is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous, yes. right? He's, yeah. he, he's a fantastic-looking guy. But Prince Harry... When I looked at him, it's like, and when you heard him speak, it's like, didn't I meet him at a frat party in 1979? Well, you know what, Julie? Minnie from Las Vegas is on. And Minnie, I think you might have the answer to why Prince Harry seemed less than blue-blooded. What, what, Minnie, what's your theory? Well, I, I said the same thing when I was watching the interview. All I could think about was how um, he looks like Prince Diana's supposed... Um, Paramore. With... Paramore. Yeah. <laughs> is the word you're looking for, Minnie. <laughs> yeah, that James 
Hewitt, yeah, that Major James Hewitt. Hewitt. Major James Hewitt. I couldn't get that out of my mind. I kept, you know, I wanted to pay attention to what he was saying, but all I'm thinking is, oh my gosh, he looks nothing like Diana. He looks nothing like Prince Charles. He looks all over James Hewitt. <laughs> you know, we have many calls backing you up, Minnie. You are not the only one that was totally onto that. Renee from Minnesota wants to know how come no one asked how much how come you look so much like James Hewitt. I know. It I is know. Minnie. Thank you for your phone call, eight six six thirty three sister. If you just look up a picture of James Hewitt and look at a picture of Harry, it did seem, Julie, like he was from a totally different family. Yes. He now, wasn't the slightest bit stuffy. No, right. He no. wasn't he looked well bred. But he didn't seem, you know, it really didn't seem like he had grown up with a lot of royal training. Right. Didn't he seem like a frat boy to you? Yeah, he did. You know what? I mean, I was pleased. A nice one. A nice, nice, polite frat boy. Totally nice. Yeah. Yes. But it did seem like the brothers had a delightful relationship. And that made me happy. Yes. Like that made me happy for Diana. Yes. That the boys seemed to have a nice relationship. But I just, I was just astounded that like there weren't any questions on like, you know, Becoming the king. When do you yes. think you might become the king? How about, right. you know, what's your grandmother like? We all her, saw the... What about that Camilla? Camilla. Do you make fun of Camilla behind her back? That's what I wanted to know. <laughs> you know, what happened with Kate? I mean, he had just broken up with know, Kate Middleton. I know. And Matt Lauer asked, did the press have something to do with your breakup? I know. I know. I How know. about I what happened? Where yes. what happened to Kate? Was Did it you dump her because... <laughs> right. Did you dump her because her mother said <laughs> she, toilet? Instead of washroom or was a flight attendant. I mean, that was, you know, it's just there was so much lost opportunity. I think Matt Lauer is really in training for Larry King's job. This is what I think. So he's just practicing with like nothing questions so that so that because I mean, they were relaxed. The two princes were very relaxed because there was nothing difficult asked of them all evening no i'm sure the entire thing was outlined like here's what you can't ask about i mean he made it sound like oh i have free license but no he could ask about their mother and the concert yes and even the questions about their mother were very tightly controlled right you know it was all about the press what's it like to see her in the newspapers you know even the it was just, it was so unsatisfying on I know, every I level. I know, such a loss. But the only the only part that I found truly satisfying, is, as I said, is the headlines, that the two princes do speak, that they yeah. can speak English, <laughs> that you could just listen to them. And I think you were able to perceive their relationship and sort of their bond and their closeness, um, not from any question that Matt Lauer asked, but just because of how they interacted and sort of the fun that they had with, with each other. I was intrigued by the two questions that they seemed really stumped to answer. Is yes. First of all, what's the coolest thing about being a prince? Yes. Okay, girls, is the cool? I mean, I would just think <laughs> that's the obvious answer. And they pretended right. like mm, they couldn't really come up with anything. Well, we get to live in a nice house. House? Yeah. yeah. No, I think, no, obviously, that's exactly what they were thinking. But yeah, they thought babes. that was very un prince like <laughs> right to be able to say that i mean they're 22 and 24 and yes. then when he said what would you be doing if you weren't you know the future king of england right. and and the the prince of what was he technically the prince of great britain or the prince of the british empire or something yes. so i don't and, know and, and one said william said i'd like to be a helicopter pilot mm-hmm. and harry said i'd like to lead safaris and right. i was thinking are you four i mean <laughs> 
Honestly, they want to be a policeman first. I know, but see, Leanne, they don't have. They just don't. They have, have no. I, I mean, I guess I'm glad they didn't say I want to be a banker or a lawyer. Well, why don't you ask some grown men? Ask some 24 year olds what they want to be, that's, and see what see what kind of answers you get. That's true. My husband actually, when I asked him that, you know, in sort of a what color is your parachute thing, he's Ex- still saying race car driver. Race car driver. And I'm like, you know what? You're 43. I know. My time. husband wants to be a pitch major league baseball. So there you have it, Leanne. <laughs> okay. This guy. That's guy talk. That's the, but yeah, I that I, the question about what's the coolest thing about being a prince? They are the prince. Mm-hmm. They, that's it. That's they get the girls. They you know they have a good time. I you know they there was some very familiar familiar territory. They asked about the mother, about their roles and responsibilities, how they learned about their responsibilities. But again, it's not what we wanted, Matt. No, want it's to, not, Matt. Yeah, we want to know what their favorite food is, what they drink, what color do they like. So if we want to send them presents, <laughs> what color sweater it should be. Come on. I mean, that's the reason you have them on. I know. And you know what? I did. It does make you sort of, it just really makes you kind of heartbroken to see all the pictures of Diana. Yes. But yes. again, they were, they're they're grown men now. They, Matt was pretty soft on the whole thing about their mother's legacy. And you can understand. They yes. don't want to. You know, think badly of their mother. And no, I don't. Like no, that. I don't think so at all. Yeah, I mean, but they, still, you wanted to know about Camilla. I mean, yes. really, what do they really think of her? That's what you wanted to know. I know. That's I. I had a lot of things. So, Matt, I. I'm not sure Prince Harry and Prince William are ever going to grant you another interview. Oh, why not? I mean, he didn't ask them anything. <laughs> it was. I'm sure they will. I mean, they got to speak about their concert that they're doing yes. for Princess Diana, and then, July 1st, which and, is great. And then Matt said, "Oh, and that's going to be on NBC." So there's the tie-in. There, they're not. You know, they're not crazy. The press office isn't crazy, but it just was really unsatisfying. I just I, I wanted to know. You know where he got that pink shirt. I mean, Harry's a cute kid. Whoa, I, he is really. Doesn't he has really improved? He's winning the most improved yeah. Prince Award this year, Leanne. I think he's done a great job. So, but even a few questions about his teen years, I, I would have liked to have heard that. Yeah, you just know? whether or not he's matured at all. Right. Or is he still going to you know go wild? You know that. So there wasn't anything like that. You really didn't get any personal sense of them whatsoever no i mean other than you know they don't read the papers and the press is not fair and they're nothing like what the press portrays but wow there was a lot of questions on the press i hope every young american boy though runs out and gets some of those shirts that they had on that is just a good look yeah they're looking lanky look yes (laughs) with the permanent tan yes yeah it's, I, just back from the Caribbean, that's an excellent fashion look. Too. I hope they put that interview out on DVD because it would be worth seeing again from time to time, Leon, just to hear the princes speak. Yeah, I heard you can actually go to iTunes. That you, oh, can, you can you can download it at iTunes if you'd like to. If you'd like to watch it over and over again. I think I need that for my collection, Leon. All right, it's been a special edition here of the International News Roundup. We'll go around the world next week, but when we always have to stop from time to time to talk about the princes. Eight six six thirty three sister is our number. Eight six six three three seven forty seven eighty three. Hey, we're going to talk about the Gracies. We've got news coming in. Lots going on here, but um, we got an update from the sisters in New York. So we're going to tell you what happened last night at our big night. Stay with us.
Sisters, thanks for being with us. Our number in the studio is 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. You can always email us at SatelliteSisters.com. Okay, Julie, Sandy from Ventura and Carol from St. Paul have called you. They want to know one thing about your water situation, (laughs) your running water in the new house. Yes. Do you have a water softener? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I All have right. no idea. Well, you may just check through some of your hmm. personal possessions there. Maybe there's a drawer where they left What does a water the... softener look like? I is don't know. A, I don't have one either. Is it a piece of equipment? Is it... Is I guess it, like a, it is. Is it like near a water heater? Okay, well, I'll I'll Google what water softeners and I'll see, see what they look like and see if I have that. But right. that may be what's... Making the noise that's in the middle of the night, that's the periodic what, running noise. That's what Sandy in Ventura and Carolyn St. Paul say, that water softeners usually flow in the middle of the night. That or Sandy asks reverse osmosis, <laughs> which sounds uh, sounds a little technical, Sandy, but I'm sure Julie's husband can handle the reverse right. osmosis question. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll run that by him. Oh, All that's right. good. That's good to know. Yeah, when... that's you probably do. I would like to get a water softener. It's something I aspire to. We okay. Have very hard water here in California that doesn't get the dishes clean or the clothes clean or <laughs> my hair clean. But... Uh... <laughs> Well, that's working out just fine for you <laughs> at the home front, well, isn't it, Leanne? <laughs> I pine for a water softening system someday. It's coming up on my 15th anniversary. Maybe that's what I'll ask for, a Very water romantic, Leanne. That's just what you need. Well, I did speak to Sheila this morning, live oh. from New York City. Uh, she was calling to check in. Sheila, Liz, and Monica were in New York last night. We received a Gracie Allen Award for Best Public Service Campaign. With many thanks to you, those of you who contributed to Radio Almahaba, uh, and the money that we raised for them won us a Gracie Allen Award, which is really great. Those awards- And this is a very prestigious organization, yes. the American Women in Radio and Television. I mean, we're not prestigious, but the organization <laughs> is. Yes, and they give out awards for all different kinds of television categories. It honors women and uh, people who do media for women. So all different kinds of television categories and radio categories, everything from news to regular programming to the kind of stuff that we do on the radio. And so last night at the awards, Wanda Sykes got an award, Julie. I love her. She's so funny. And Chris Rock presented (gasps) the award. And Sheila said he was hysterical, just brought down the house, was just Funny, funny, funny. She said Tina Fey was absolutely great. Uh, she said, uh, Tina Fey said that she loves Soledad O'Brien more than anyone else on the air because Soledad looks uh, just like she does in the morning. <laughs> Not that great in the morning. And I would beg to differ, Tina Fey. I think she looks great. But I mean, so we get, they get some pretty big stars yeah. at this event. There's yeah. a red carpet. It's black tie. Me- they have media there. They have television crews. Right. So it was very exciting. She said Jill Hennessy, you know, from Law and Order. She's very good. She I looks like spectacular. She said she looked the best. She's unbelievably beautiful. Yes. And Sam Waterston gave her an award. And, of course, you know how much Sheila loves Sam Waterston yes. from Law and & Order. And much like Sheila was in the bathroom last year for Brian Williams. I know. She, she loves Brian Williams. Mm-hmm. She waited all night to see Brian Williams. In and his then, purple tie. Yes. And then she went to the bathroom and missed him. 
This year she missed Sam Watterson. <gasps> she was in the bathroom. You're kidding. No, no, she missed him. She missed him. But she said we. they thought they looked pretty good, that it was a very mellow night, very homey. A lot of people came up to congratulate them. They really had a lot of fun. Right now they're en route to, um, they're giving a speech at a luncheon for the same organization at Tavern on the Green. Yes, uh, this is for the local media winners. So um, so these are local Gracie Allen winners in local media markets around the country. So that's a very nice honor that we're doing that. So Sheila, and you can check out pictures of Sheila, Monica, and Liz. They're on our website. Thank you, Sarah McCann, our webmaster, for not only going, you can see Sarah there, but for posting them immediately, because if we didn't have Sarah in our family, we'd never have photos on the website. Exactly. exactly. We don't actually own a digital camera, but Sarah was there. She did a fine job and great And she sent a detailed email this morning as well. So Sarah, we really thank you for that, because she was really scoping everyone out, and a full report, objective report, on what the sisters were doing last night at the Gracie Allen Awards. All right. Liz will be back tomorrow and then Sheila and Monica at the end of the week to fill us in on their trip to New York City. Coming up next, though, we're going to talk to Barbara Kantowitz from Newsweek about their cover story, Caregiving and Alzheimer's. We're the Satellite Sisters. Stay with us. Listening to Satellite Sisters, thanks for being with us today. I'm Leanne Dolan in Los Angeles, joined by my sister, Julie Dolan. And, you know, Jewel, we're going right now to uh, just an important topic because the numbers are so astounding. We're talking about Alzheimer's in this country and the effect that it has on caregivers. Joining us is the award-winning journalist and senior editor for Newsweek, Barbara Kantrowitz. She's been on Satellite Sisters before to talk about menopause. She's a fantastic book out there about that. But this week, Barbara, it's Caregivers and Alzheimer's. Thanks for being on the show again. Well, I really love being here, so thanks for having me. All right, Barbara, I mean, you went through this with your own mom, and there's a story in your article for Newsweek about just about a 13-year-old girl whose grandfather sort of violently lashes out with her that just broke my heart. Is that common for, you know, if the mom, the boomer mom or dad is caring for grandma or grandpa, then the kids are involved too? That, I mean, yes, we are. We're a family. And I, I, I think that, you know, there's some people say, oh, you need to protect um, younger children from the situation. I think, of course, you have to use good judgment. But often there's a role for slightly older children. In this case, the story um, that you're referring to, um, the, the, perhaps the, the mother was trying to have the girl do a little too much. It was actually her father who had early onset Alzheimer's. Oh. She was trying to get him into the shower, help him get dressed, and, and that wasn't appropriate because that was too much for a, a child to do. So in the end, now she, she does things like she'll bring him a snack, sort of less physically intensive activities. And I know in my own case, it is important actually to do this as a family. The One person should not take on the whole burden. And I, I think that children can learn a lot from this um, if you handle it sensitively. They, you know, we death is part of life. It's not something that should be hidden. It's it's the natural end of life, and if you can kind of present it in an intelligent and caring and sensitive way, and and show them that this is families care for each other even in difficult situations, I think that kids will take something away from that that will be really valuable and really help them when they're adults and f- f- face difficult situations of their own. 
Let's talk to Sharon in Oregon. Hi, Sharon. You're on with the Satellite Sisters and Barbara Kantrowitz. You actually quit a job in your 20s to care for your grandmother, huh? Yeah, I did. And now, and it really created a whole career change for you. <laughs> yeah, I did. I used to be a bookkeeper, and now I'm an occupational therapist. And this is what you do? You go in and you help families dealing with these kind of situations? That's part of what I do, yeah. When I have a, a patient with dementia who's been cared for at home by their family, a lot of times the family is, you know, overwhelmed and not knowing quite how to cope with some of the changes. And um, and part of my job is to help them learn some skills to do that. What What do you teach them? Like if you had one thing to teach families listening now, they're at home, they're caring for somebody, and they feel overwhelmed, what would you say, Sharon? You know, the, the number one thing is, like you said before, take care of yourself. It's so uh, hard to do, though, it isn't is so it? It is so hard. It is so hard. Um, even if it's, whether it's incorporating members from the family or, or members from the church or volunteer organizations, anywhere, even if you just get one evening a week where you're not in charge, mm-hmm. you're out of there, go for a walk, go out for dinner with some friends, anything. When I did this myself when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my kids were two and eight, and my my day was spent with you know basically a, a toddler and an infant that I was also taking care of for a friend and grandma who was very infantile herself in in some ways. Sharon, so, just hearing you describe that is exhausting, both emotionally and physically. We we have to take a break here, Sharon. But thank you for your phone call. I mean, the message, Barbara, that Sharon told us and that you told us is that, you know, get some help, rely on other people. Yes, nobody can do this by themselves, and you won't be doing, you won't be helping the person you love if you try and take it on. That's a good point. How big, oh, okay. We're going to take, you know, Barbara, thank you for joining us. We'll still be taking your calls, though, 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. Lots of good information about this at Newsweek.com. There's a link from SatelliteSisters.com. Thanks, Barbara. Come back anytime, Barbara Kantrowitz. 866-33-SISTER is our number. We do want to hear from you. If this is your situation, what have you done to help cope with a family member who has Alzheimer's? Stay with us. We're the Satellite Sisters. Today, we're talking about the emotional and physical toll that caregiving for an Alzheimer's patient can take on the caregiver. You can give us a call at 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. Julie, we just talked to Barbara Kantrowitz from Newsweek. She's been through it. Her mom had dementia, but she's also written a cover story for them. And you can check that out at Newsweek.com. But it's clear to Barbara two years later... 
she still feels, you know, what she went through so immediately, isn't it? Yeah, no, I, you could see how, how strongly, how, how it changed their, her life, how right. it changed her life and how it, you know, because she loved her mother very much, she had a close relationship with her. And as she saw her mother sort of slipping away, that was something that she really had to deal with. All right, let's talk to Judy in Minnesota. Oh, Judy, I read this and I just can't believe it. Your husband was diagnosed at 50 with dementia. That's right. What did that diagnosis feel like when you first heard it? Well, I didn't believe it. I didn't think that it was true. Yeah. It's so young. That's right. That's why. And um, the things that that he was exhibiting, the behaviors, didn't seem like Alzheimer's to me. Well, they weren't. It was dementia, and it was a different sort of um, disease. With Alzheimer's, most often they lose track of numbers first. Mm -hmm. With his kind of dementia, which they call PICS disorder, um, they lose track of their social skills first. Oh. One day, my husband up and gave away his fishing boat and motor and trailer, and he mm. loved fishing, which is mm. big passion. Mm. So, Judy, did you care for him at home until you couldn't anymore? Right. And what was that period of caring for him at home like? I think it's hard for those of us who aren't 24-hour caregivers to understand exactly what that means. What was your day like? Um, well, I was doing in-home daycare, and I needed to continue that because it was the only income we had. Uh-huh. Because, of course, he was at home. And um, it was a 24-hour-a-day job, yet I did daycare for about 11 hours a day. And um, then I needed to be with him all night because he would try and nap all day, and then he would be up all night. Oh, oh Judy. God. Judy, and did so, you have support? Do you have other family members or church members or someone? I did. To- I did, and friends. And um, I have children, and they helped. But... It's hard for them because their dad is really should be a pillar at 50. Yes, right. you know, pillar absolutely. Of rather than ill. You know, was he physically holding up because he was so young? Yes. Yeah. When the doctors, yeah. did the doctor tell you he needed to go to a home or was that your decision? It was the doctor's decision. I could not make the decision um, because he was so young and I, I had, I would, I just knew I'd feel terribly guilty. Uh-huh. And, um, and did you? Oh, I felt horribly guilty right. because right. I told the doctor that he was coming after me with knives and threatening me with screwdrivers and um, just so I'd leave him alone so he could just sleep around the clock. And I was trying to keep him from napping so much during the day. One day he had five naps. Uh, okay. And when I wanted to retire, he was wide awake and doing things that were scary, smoking in the basement, hiding um, food that would get old and you'd have to find it by because it would start to smell. You know, Judy, when you hear that, it just is what uh, what the Newsweek article reiterates is that it's every day it's something different and you never yep. know what you're going to deal with. And so you're on a total roller coaster. When you put him in the home, did you get a sense of relief, Judy? I did, but um, it's um, for a long time, it's clouded by guilt. Yeah. Does he even recognize you anymore? He passed away three years ago. Okay. All right. He, well. was, six, he was age 60. Oh. And um, they told me that he would probably choke to death because the swallowing was one of the things his brain had forgotten to tell him how to do. Mm-hmm. And um, he ended up having a heart attack, which was, you know, a blessing for him. Oh, Judy. Well, I mean, just hearing your story just makes you realize, boy, you do need to reach out to the other people when something like this happens. Well, you have to. Yeah. You have to. And I need for you to share with people that in the county that I live in, there's a volunteer group. Um, They're hooked up with the county, but they're volunteers, and they will come out to your home 
and sit with your loved one for a few hours while you go to a meeting or go shopping or just go, mm-hmm. you know, to a park or out to dinner with someone else. And it's um, important it, that you take advantage of those kind of oh, things. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Judy, and another thing that yeah. was very difficult that people may not know and should try to work for in advance, because my husband wasn't working and he was the one who provided the insurance for us through his job, uh-huh. um, we had no, I had no health care coverage. He did because they put him on Medicare right away. Okay. But okay. I was too young and they wouldn't, put, they wouldn't put me on there with him. And I had no health care insurance because there wasn't enough income for me to buy that. Oh, the state, Judy. the state paid about two thirds or three fourths of his care in the nursing home, and I paid the other, the remainder, which was larger than my mortgage payment. Oh, Judy, it just seems to open up an entire whole another life for you once that becomes your rea- rea- reality. Judy, thank you for your phone call. It is eye opening. Barbara mentioned a couple of things. Barbara Kantowitz from Newsweek on the air. She mentioned one organization. ALZ.org. There's a link to it at SatelliteSisters.com. And again, the Newsweek article also deals with a lot of kind of the financial and legal issues that Judy mentioned. All right, let's talk to Catherine from Minneapolis. Hey, Catherine, you were in an unusual situation. You took care of your grandfather, even though you were one of the younger members of the family. Right. I um, Go ahead. How did that happen? Well, um, my grandfather called me. I'm a nurse, and he called me, told me some troubles he was having. And uh, long story short, he ended up moving to Minneapolis from Chicago, and um, he had a lot of faith and trust in me because I have this medical background, and I would take him to all of his doctor's appointments and do everything. I have four small children. So I did that oh, with my all gosh. four of my small children in tow. And, um, and then things got worse, and uh, most of his grown children live in different states. And I uh, kind of took took on the brunt of the forefront of his uh, needs in the beginning. And then um, when it started coming down to the end and some very critical decisions need to be made, I was put on the back burner. And um, the um, children who had, not the grandchildren being me, uh-huh. um, his children had the authority to make medical decisions and power of attorney. Granted, they did um, try to take information from each sibling and mm-hmm. kind of weigh it all and try to make an informed decision that way, but they did not necessarily have amongst them a good um, judgment in terms of what was coming down the pipe for decisions that they may have made a, make, make a choice to have something done, not knowing what that was going to bring in the future instead of seeing it you know, long term, they're looking at the short term. Did that and cause? Did that cause a strain? It did. In your, it in it your did family? cause a strain. It caused a strain mostly for me because I knew it was doing to his dignity and his integrity as a as a person, the type of person he was. And I think that's what becomes hard when you're dealing with your parents. Is there's a there's a line there. You know, you're the child or the grandchild, and you don't need to see your grandfather going to the bathroom. You don't need to wipe his rear end. Right. And those things are very hard lines to cross. And they're hard for, I mean, we don't know what's going on in the brain of an Alzheimer's patient. We don't know how much of it they're aware of or at least able to verbalize. But especially in the beginning, they do get very frustrated and they, because they do kind of know what's going on. It and they know that that line is being, and that, exactly, that line is being crossed. And, um, but That's I do trend. think that there has to be a point where the, the family gets together and decides on designated roles and what's appropriate for who and when and sort of work openly together so that there isn't um, 
it doesn't in the end leave sort of scars amongst the relationships because in the end I can see how you're that gonna can look happen. back. Right. Yeah. You're gonna look back and you're gonna say, Gosh, you know, I really wish I you know, would have you have to think of the patient. You have to think of the the person that you know and my grandfather was a very dignified person and he would have never gone for that. And he he would have never gone for that having been cared for by a bunch of strangers and um you know, being incontinent and, and knowing that he was. And so you have to protect that dignity, even mm-hmm. though you may think they're not aware of it. Um, you need to protect it because you don't really know what that person is aware of in their own mind. Catherine, that's a, just a good reminder for families. I mean, obviously, you know what you're talking about. Sounds like there were a lot of people involved in decision makings and, you know, to come forward and to get that settled before things may get worse. Actually, um, sounds like a fantastic idea. We're the Satellite Sisters. If we didn't get to your phone call, we'd love to hear um, your emails at SatelliteSisters.com, SatelliteSisters.com. Obviously, this is an issue that affects a lot of you. I'm going to send you again to our website where there's a link to, to Newsweek so you can read the story from Barbara Kantowitz and also get in touch with ALZ.org, the Alzheimer's organization that Barbara mentioned as a great, great resource. SatelliteSisters.com is where you can send us your emails. Thanks, thanks, thanks for all your phone calls. really illuminates what for some of us sounds like, wow, a very, very difficult situation. Stay with us. Good girl gone bad. <laughs> so I like to describe you. You think that's my reputation? Yeah, I think it is. Good girl gone better is actually your reputation. All right, coming up. Oh, boy, my gosh. Julie and I did some cooking last night. Can you really cook a Rachel Ray 30-minute meal in 30 minutes? The exciting results of that. I can't wait to hear how your meatballs turned out, Leanne. And I can't wait to tell you about my stuffed portobello mushrooms. That was an ambitious menu, Julie. So I appreciated that. And I know I'm very curious. But first, could we just wish congratulations to Tiger and Ellen Woods? I mean, yes. We were just talking about them yesterday, and I was saying, for goodness sakes, could we stop talking about how Tiger's going to become a fam, a father because Ellen is doing all the work? And they had the baby yesterday. Oh, well, that's nice. Yes, they had a little girl, and okay. they named her Sam, which that's is good. a cute little name for a little girl. I so thought, when do you think he's going to have her out on the putting green? Because I always love those, like, old home videos of Tiger Woods I know. with his dad. I and, know. And he was, like, four years old, and he had the perfect golf swing. I think they might let her learn to walk first, Julie, <laughs> and then they'll put her out on the putting green. But that is very nice. Congratulations to Ellen. I know you did all the hard work, Ellen. Yes. And you yes. too, Tiger. Way to go. Way to go. <laughs> That's very nice. Well, Leon, you really cover the sports desks at Satellite Sisters, and I know figure skating is one of your passions. Mm-hmm. Because 
You always think that you were oh so close, so close to the Olympics, right? I just missed. If I had only skated better and trained a lot harder and actually had a coach, I, it could have been me out there, Julie. <laughs> well, you know, the other side of figure skating, besides all the kiss and cry, you know, when they're sitting on the couch, is figure skating and assaults. <laughs> you know, there's a long history. Well, maybe not a long it's history. It's not that long. It's just you illustrious. Have a, of course, you have Tanya Harding sure. that when she whacked Nancy Kerrigan before the Olympics, and mm-hmm. that was that was an out-and-out assault. Well, we had one over well, the she week. hired a whacker. She yes. herself did not do the whacking with the metal pipe. She had a she had a hench whackman. She had, well, in this case, uh, we have another situation. Christy Swanson, who was in the original Buffy, the yeah. Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. Well, she has filed assault charges against Marsha O'Brien. Now, stick with me. Marsha O'Brien has already filed assault charges against Christy Swanson for assault, and and Christy has been arrested and released from jail. So, and the reason that these two women, Christy Swanson and Marsha O'Brien, are fighting is because Christy is now going out with Lloyd Eisler, who was one of the stars of Skating with Celebrities. Right. So Christy and Lloyd were partners, and Marcia is the ex-wife of Lloyd. Yes. And so they had a little get-together over the weekend to discuss, guess, get this, child custody. So that's nice. They're over at Marcia's house, Christy and Lloyd, um, to discuss with Marcia child custody because now they've separated. Oh, I and, think they're divorced. Or they're divorced, and they've gotten they got into their their assault charges have been filed. You know that's just a very messy figure a figure skating story. I think it does not really reflect on figure skating so much as it reflects on the characters involved. Because remember, Julie Lloyd Eisler's wife was like eight months pregnant when he left her. Oh yes, no. Oh. You don't. You don't follow figure skating. I don't. As I don't. <gasps> or oh, reality shows. No, it was terrible. Oh, like my they gosh. were just assigned as partners on this reality show, and he left his pregnant wife for Christy Swanson. And now I believe he and Christy Swanson have had a child together. Oh my god! I mean, Lloyd Eisler, Olympic figure skater. What's the story, Lloyd? I don't understand. Oh well, that is. I mean, so assault is never good. But I am sure that there is a lot of bitter feelings between. You know, Christy and Lloyd's ex-wife, because that was not a good situation. I well, apparently not. But you you would hate to see that they come to to fighting. Liam. Yes, well, at least have the good sense to do what Tanya Harding did, and that's hire somebody <laughs> to well, do Leanne, the whacking for you. Leon, we don't we don't we don't really endorse that. No, here. I don't. <laughs> well, speaking of other controversies, I just wanted to give you an update from a Texas update. You you may recall last fall. There was that whole situation with the McKinney, Texas cheerleaders. I don't actually remember that. Okay, well, there was a situation with the McKinney, Texas cheerleaders. Play along with me at home. Sure. And they were, you know, they were um, they were caught drinking. They were doing terrible things. I don't know about terrible things, but inappropriate things. You sounded like mom when you said that. I did. They were doing terrible things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they were, Leon. They were. And, and now, because it is 2007, they put it all on the Internet, too. Oh, so that okay. makes it much were worse. Were there so naked photos? I don't believe there were, there were okay. no. No naked photos, but there were photos of the cheerleaders carousing. So the cheerleading situation in Texas, it's out of control. So, But here's the solution that McKinney has come up with is they have the cheerleaders and they have a coach. And uh, ostensibly, these cheerleaders actually have parents that might be providing some guidance (laughs) for them as well. But that apparently is not happening. So um, McKinney has decided to hire 
an additional person. This is like a cheerleading coordinator that is going to coordinate and adjudicate all cheerleading issues in McKinney because there are three different high schools here. Are Does you that, kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. I mean, they, I mean, they, the rationale is that cheerleading is a very high profile sport. It's much higher profile than like the French club or the chess club. And that it obviously has a lot of parent involvement and stress and pressure. And it's very difficult what the cheerleaders do. And that they feel that this is the only way that they're going to be able to create some standards and to bring the whole level of the program up. Wow. So there's an overall, like, an athletic director, a cheerleading director? Right. This is like an administrative position that that is coming out of the McKinney town taxes to pay for this person to make sure that the parents don't fight with each other and that the cheerleader girls stop doing those terrible things. (laughs) I, I, you know... It's their it's their tax dollars. They can spend it however they want. Mm. It just seems like, you know, in an age when we need less school administrators, that this that you'd pay for something like this. I don't know. Again, the Tanya Harding way of going about things is not a bad idea. Get a pipe and a guy. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right. Coming up. Wow. The exciting results to our 30 minute meal. Test. Julie and I took on Rachel Ray. You are going to hear the results when we return. We're the Satellite Sisters, news, talk, and laughs. We tackle the world one cup of coffee at a time. You can always find us at SatelliteSisters.com. That one meatball sub at a time. <laughs> that is right. Julie and Leon are tackling Rachel Ray's 30-minute meals. We are the Satellite Sisters, Julie. I'm still uh, I'm a little sore, actually, from last night's cooking. Sore? All right, we have a giant hour coming up because yes. Julie and I did take on Rachel Ray last night. We are going to report in, can you really make a 30-minute meal in 30 minutes. And then later on, we're going to get Julie's house all spiffed up. We have one of the editors of Traditional Home Magazine coming on to dole out some decorating advice for Julie, who's just moved in. I do want to remind you, though, if you're wondering where the heck are the other sisters, they have been in New York, and they were at the Gracie Allen Awards. You can check out SatelliteSisters.com to see some fantastic photos. They look so glamorous. You'd hardly recognize them. Really? I didn't. I didn't know. I was like, Ma, who's Monica? Who is that? Look at Monica's hair. My gosh. And Monica's wearing lipstick. That always just shocks me. Because, <laughs> you know, Monica, she chapstick does. is basically what she wears. Like, oh, I have chapstick on. I don't think I need anything else. <laughs> so uh, they all look beautiful there at SatelliteSisters.com. Liz will be back with us tomorrow. So we're going to get the firsthand story on what transpired. The stars they saw, you know, everything else that happened. The backstage situation. But while they were on the red carpet, Julie... We were cooking up a storm, were we Absolutely, not? Absolutely, Leanne. Now, we, you had some help yesterday because um, everyone helped you pick out a menu. Now, let's go over what your menu was. All right. So we decided we were going to do these Rachel Ray 30-minute meals. Could we really make them in 30 minutes? And you voted. I cooked the meatball subs, mm-hmm. the oven fries, okay. oven fried potatoes, and hot fudge sundaes. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and what'd you make, Julie? I made stuffed portobello mushrooms, mm-hmm. bread salad, and angel food cake with berries and cream. 
Okay. I'll give you my results first, Julie. Okay, Liam. Here's right. the deal. Okay, here's the good news about the meatball subs, the oven fries, and the hot fudge sundae. My family loved this meal. They did? Oh, my goodness. They ate every single bite of every single thing I put on their plate. So Even, it was yummo, as Rachel would it say. It was so yummo. Even my younger son, nine, who doesn't... His idea of a submarine sandwich is plain turkey on white bread, you know, no mayo, nothing. <laughs> mm, he, tasty. He dove into that submarine sandwich. He ate every single bite. He could not believe it. Because you said yesterday on the show that you had never made a meatball from scratch. No, Leanne. I had not. And I, we got calls in. I was encouraged, like, Leanne, for goodness sakes, try the meatballs. You need to learn how to make a meatball from scratch. I just buy the frozen ones. So that is the really good news, that they absolutely love this, from the meatball sub to the potatoes, which my older son, Brooks, said these are the best potatoes you've ever made. Wow. To the hot fudge sundae. Well, you got, that's a winner right there. Well, you never know, but they, it was a little bit of a sophisticated hot fudge sauce. I'll go into the details and they absolutely loved it. So that's the good news. Okay. Rachel Ray meatball subs, winner. Here's the bad news. Okay. There is no way you could make this meal in 30 <laughs> minutes. Absolutely not. Okay. I kept a log, Julie, as I'm sure you did. Yes, I did, Liam. From the beginning of turning on the oven and starting the food to when I actually slapped it down on the dinner table. Plated it. Plated yes. it as she does on the show. It yes. was an hour and seven minutes. Okay. <laughs> an hour and seven minutes. And Julie, when I say... That I was moving in the kitchen. I was moving in the kitchen. Yeah, I, I you was were rocking a, like, the You are a very good cook, Leon. You are not a novice cook. You are, you know, you're a fast cook too. You can really, you can use those knives. You can chop things up. You can cook and saute. You can multitask. And Julie, I am telling you, I had one point. I looked over. I had both ovens on. I had two burners. And I had the um, the toaster oven broiler on. Oh just my to gosh, Leanne, you're lucky you didn't burn down your house last night. Oh well, and it was a hot night, so I wouldn't make this again midsummer because I had so many ovens firing up. But here's the deal, okay? The 30 minute meals, that is the cooking time. So uh-huh. if you have thought that that's like 30 minutes start to finish, like I did, yes, then that's not true. Okay. So Rachel does give you on the website at the Food Network, or you can go to SatelliteSisters.com. We posted all these recipes. It does give you the prep time, and then it gives you the cook time. Yes. And then my particular meatball sub recipe, so for the meatballs and the oven fries, the prep time was 20 minutes. Uh, oh. That's... And the cook time was 32 minutes. Oh, all right. So I think the fact that I came in only 15 minutes over her estimated time shows that I was rocking it. Julie, I sat down at the dinner table. I was sweating so hard. <laughs> I actually had to just sit for about five minutes because my heart was racing and I was sweating. I was trying to get this meal made in the 52 minutes. Were you minutes. looking at the clock? Were you checking? And how did you feel when you hit the 30-minute mark, uh, Leanne, and you, and you were nowhere done, Well, here's, here's where I felt I was... It was clear I wasn't going to make, like, total time, she said, 52 minutes on this recipe. So I don't know where the 30 minutes of cooking time comes in. I guess that's the actual physical cooking. Yeah. And then the plating, that's supposed to take 30. But my kids, I mean, they've seen enough Rachel Ray and they've seen enough Food Network. They were doing Iron Chef on me. They were, like, <laughs> doing play-by-play. They were announcing the time. Mom, you're at 45 minutes. How does it feel? This and that. Oh, they were going nuts. So I was really rocking it. And as you said, my degree of difficulty on this recipe 
was a medium. This was, was a medium. supposed to be a medium. But I have worked in kitchens before. Yes, I've you worked have. worked in catering. You know, I'm a, I'm a very, like many of you, pretty accomplished home cook. You know, I know what I'm doing. You're a, you're a confident cook, Leanne. Yes. There's no doubt yes. about it. You I know, know so how to not, I know so how to a few meatballs things. wouldn't, wouldn't uh, okay. set you back. Were your meatballs round, Leanne? Okay, they were round. I can understand why money meatballs. We got calls yesterday flat on one side. Square I, meatballs, yes. yes. I was slightly flat on one side, so I did flip the meatballs. But start to finish, you know, with the, the prep time, she allegedly said 20 minutes. No way. It took me about 35 minutes, and the cooking time took a little bit more than that. So, okay, so the cook time was over. Here's the other thing, Julie, about this meal. Mm-hmm. So many pots and pans. Oh, really? <gasps> so many. I mean, oh, really, my gosh. a lot. So the cleaning time... Like for your average <laughs> Monday night, yes, I would not have made a meal like this. It was, you know, I had the hot fudge, I had the two things for the meatballs, I had the the ovens, I had the marinara sauce. Then you have the other bowl where you have to. It was a lot of pots and pans. The cleanup oh. time was very big. Cleanup time was a lot longer. You know, because see, on the show, all she does is stick those under the counter. <laughs> yeah, well. So why, that's what you should do, Leanne. Just stick them under your counter. <laughs> I had the boys load up the dishwasher, but uh, that really didn't help me. I still yes. had all the pots and pans to do afterwards. And then the other thing is, it's not a cheap meal. Which no, no. She's not promising that it's Rachel Ray 30-minute meal on a budget. No, but I think that's another book. She has like 14 books. I know. I, mean, she, I think I know. that's one of her books. But but right, it's not inexpensive. She no. buy she these are all good expensive ingredients and a lot of it, many ingredients like the meatballs, many different layers in the meatballs and the marinara mm. sauce, many different things and the hot fudge sundays. You know, the chocolate alone was about seven bucks for the hot fudge sundae. So that's a lot of money. But I did cheat in a couple of areas okay. to try to make up time. I'm glad you're talking about cheating because um, I, I had to do some cheating yeah. too, Leanne. I didn't want this to go over the 20-minute prep time. So she said, uh, first of all, I needed eight cloves of garlic, peeled, minced, and um, cr- chopped, peeled, crushed, and, and mm-hmm. minced. And I bought the pre- peeled garlic cloves i think that's that's perfectly fine okay now, you could have probably bought the jar of garlic garlic you know she i mean she i thought about it, it but again i tried to stick to the spirit of the recipe yes. so yes. i went for that you know i did i did crush it but myself but i didn't peel it because i thought that's going to take me a half an hour right there i'm not good at peeling garlic and then the other thing is i do um use regularly i use frozen chopped onions yes oh i didn't know know about that yes because onions uh, make me sneeze (laughs) i chop onions that could have added a lot of time if you had a sneezing attack in the middle of the meatball production yes and i did i did (laughs) get the pre some of the you know some of the cheese was already um that's the spirit of rachel she's always ripping open bags and you know um, using stuff that's pre-chopped that's part of the spirit of putting on a delicious meal for your family in 30 minutes, well, even the, if it takes an, even hour, and an hour and seven minutes and you're sweating <laughs> when you sit down and then it's you feel like you've had a heart cleanups. attack. You know, the good news is I don't know what the deal with Rachel, Rachel's proportions is. I have so many leftover meat lo- meatballs. Oh, good. I have a whole nother meal for tonight. So tonight, Rachel Ray's 30 minute meal will probably be a 30 minute meal. You can just zap yeah. it in the microwave. I'm going to heat it up. I'm going to put the mozzarella on top. I'll throw that arugula on top. I don't know if I'll have time for the uh, 
potatoes, but I'll try. I'm so, going to mail you a stuffed portobello mushroom, Leanne, because I'm a little long <laughs> on those, too. I am. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I have Julie, plenty. Yours left. was fairly ambitious. Mine was delicious, not 30 minutes, but yours was ambitious. So I yes. can't wait to hear how those portobello mushrooms turned out. 866-33-SISTER is our number. You can check out the recipes on the website, 866-337-4783. Satellite Sisters, Leanne and Julie here today. Did we have the time? That is the question for the Rachel Ray 30-Minute Meals. Julie, portobello mushrooms, delicious recipe. Yes. Took longer than 30 minutes. 59 minutes for cooking, 27 minutes for shopping, and 11 minutes additional for reading and rereading the recipe. That okay. takes forever. <laughs> I was constantly looking back at it. I had to stop. Oh, yeah, so much pressure, Leanne. The other, all right, here are some of the other big time sinks that I ran into. Mm-hmm. Preheating the oven. You know how Rachel Ray does it at the beginning of the show? Right. She turns on the oven to four. I had to have a 425 oven or something like that. You yeah. can't. You, it's a brand I have no never turned on this oven in my life. I didn't, had no idea how long it was going to take to heat up. You know what? Mine was a 450 preheat. And again, I tried to do it in the spirit of Rachel Ray. So I just turned it on. Right. It takes like 40 minutes to heat up an yes. oven to 450. So 40 yes. minutes. Yes. So that Contra. really set my mushroom caps back. I was really, <laughs> okay. that was like a bad start. Then when I realized <laughs> that they were not, they were not heating, but still firm, they were cold and hard. So that was not working mm-hmm. out. So then I had to read the recipe for for carefully. And then I realized, because what you're doing, you're, you're stuffing the portobello mushroom caps with ricotta cheese and chopped spinach and quartered artichokes. Okay. But I didn't realize when I bought this stuff at the grocery store that I bought whole artichokes and whole leaf spinach. So I put together this mixture. And then again, rereading the recipe, I went into this mad thing where I am chopping up the core. I have to quarter the artichokes. I am screaming now. Okay, this is like minute 22. I know. You do feel the pressure. You were trying to do it in, in 30 minutes or less. Minute t- thir- 22, I am I am just flailing with two knives trying to chop up this mess in this large bowl. Then, Leanne, it called for um, spinach, frozen spinach, which you wring out. But right. I was, my adrenaline was going so fast. My heart was pumping that when I went to wring it out, it squirted all over the kitchen. <laughs> I had this, like, plume of frozen spinach. <laughs> so then I had to stop and clean that up. Okay, but I recovered. I recovered the mushrooms, caps kind of cooked, and I put in, I put the stuffing in, I put it back in the oven, and okay, it was... 37 minutes, but I I didn't care. I thought I could still whip together the bread salad, which is just tomatoes and bread, olive oil, little onions and spices, basil. Mm -hmm. 
Those are good, and, bread salads. And then the dessert was easy because it was the store-bought angel food cake with the berries and the cream. So that was easy. So I go to grab for the bread. I had bought French bread the day before, and I thought that's going to be perfect for the bread salad. And that's when I realized that my son and his girlfriend had eaten the French bread oh, for lunch. No. Oh, that set me back. <laughs> What'd you do? So Did you put the angel food no- cake in the bread salad? <laughs> I was scram- I was like a mad woman again because the clock is ticking. Right. You know, and you know, people are. My husband's like, "You're over time now. You're way over time." You know, helpful comments like that. So I don't have much food. So I, I, fortunately, I had a bag of croutons. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Rachel. It's so Rachel, Rachel would have loved that. I, I, so I just had to improvise. I took my Rachel knife and I <laughs> ripped open that bag of croutons. I threw them in there with the chopped. Tomatoes, yum. I mean, yum. But I mean, can you believe that? I there I was, no bread. I was going to cry. I mean, I don't know if that's ever happened to Rachel that she's gone to her cute little pantry and somebody's not put in what they're supposed to put in. The thing is, the food was delicious. But on a normal weeknight, if you're walking in the door from soccer practice or work or something, you're not making these in thirty minutes. No, no, it's the preheating the oven. Yeah. That really that stumped me, Leah. That was that was. I mean, I should have set that ahead of time. I should but have it wasn't the reci- in the spirit of the recipe. I mean, I knew at 3 o'clock in the afternoon I was tempted to turn that oven on. But I'm like, nope, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to... I'm going to try to do it all at once, just like I'm walking in the door at 5.30 and I have to make dinner. Yes, I know. But it, the food was great. Do you have food. leftover? I have so many portobello mushrooms left over because they're huge. <laughs> and when you stuff them, Leanne, so those are big. I've got some angel food cake, but um, no French bread. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Now that we know Julie's Kitchen is covered in spinach, we're going to get her some decorating help. One of the editors of Traditional Home, the senior decorating editor of Traditional Home, will be here with us. 866-33-SISTER, 866-337-4783. Stay with us. We're the Satellite Sisters, Leanne and Julie, here with you today. Liz and the rest of the gang will be back tomorrow at Satellite Sisters. But while, as long as it's just Julie and me, we're going to talk to one of the editors of one of our favorite magazines and get you some help. Right, Julie? That's right, Leanne. You know, from time to time here at Satellite Sisters, individual sisters like to use the show to get seek out financial help, medical advice, whatever it is. Well, today I am delighted that we have the senior design editor for Traditional Home Magazine, one of Leanne and, and our favorite magazines, Candace Ord Manro to joining us. Welcome, Candace. 
Hi there, sisters. Hey, Candace. We are so happy you're here. Candace, if you've been listening to Satellite Sisters, you know that I have just moved to Dallas, Texas, and I have moved into a home, and I need some help. I need some big help on decorating. And your magazine is such an inspiration. I think each month when it arrives, Leon calls me or I call Leon, and we just discuss various things that we <laughs> see in the magazine. We're bad, we love, Candace. We love hearing that. You do? You have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, it we is just an inspiration. Yeah, Leanne sends, you know, she'll send me a message like, check out page 56, <laughs> jeweled, bejeweled pillows. You need ah, some. I love Think, it. Things like that. But Candace, my situation was I was living abroad for 10 years. And but prior to that, I was here in the United States. We had a family of four. We're a family of four. But now my it's just my husband and I. Our kids are grown. So we're empty nesters. We're, we bought a house in Dallas. It's an older home built in 1927. And we have sort of two households worth of furniture. We have our furniture from our old life when our kids were growing up and mm-hmm. teenagers. And then we have our, our stuff, our furniture and stuff from our lives when we lived abroad, when we lived in Asia and when we lived in Russia. And um, I took up shopping when I was living abroad. So <laughs> My so, favorite pastime. So, Candice, my question is, where do you start? Like, I, I think for a lot of people, I know that they may change homes or they may, may be a blended family or they may get married. And so you're mixing, you know, different people's furniture or things. Should, you, should I get an overall theme for the house? Or how do I even start to put together a house that doesn't look like the United Nations gift shop? Well, first of all, I want to say that you are a designer's dream client. I am. You are, absolutely, because one of the things that um, designers who are featured in our magazine always try to do is create a global look. A global look. Absolutely. We want, uh, or they want, houses that reflect a well-traveled sensibility. Okay. So you're off to a head start, so don't feel bad. Well, I know, but I think maybe I've traveled a little too far. I mean, honestly, (laughs) I mean, I have, right now I have knickknacks and paddywhacks. These are all things that mean something to my husband and I because of the places we've been, the experiences we've had, you know, where I bought some knickknack paddywhack at some open market in Uzbekistan. I mean, it doesn't look like much, but it, it means something to me. Absolutely, and those pieces have to take a primary role in your house. Okay. Your own. But should I have like an overall theme should, or should I try to do it? You know, I know when you look at Matt, your beautiful magazine or other or I see other people's homes, you know, they'll do one thing in their living room and then their dining room will be a, t- a totally different feel. You know, I think what what you pro- the direction you probably need to take is that of a collected look, a collected look. Don't think about one theme so much as incorporating all of the elements that have meaning to you to create your own theme. All right. Well, how do you do that in a house? Is it- <laughs> how do you start? Okay. Is well, from, op- your, from your email, I understand that you have lots of Asian decorative items, such yes. as baskets, urns, blue and white pottery, yeah. um, Buddha. I keep, I keep, I have Buddhas. I have every, I keep pulling, opening up boxes, packing boxes. I was like, wow, I bought a lot of blue and white pottery in various countries. Okay. Well, I'm going to toss out some options to you and you can, you know, use or not use as you see fit. If it works for you, that's what counts. Um, One is to just sort of take inventory of what you have and mass your like objects, the ones that are similar in size, shape, feel, country, provenance, whatever into discrete collections. Okay. And then you could mass those in various rooms throughout the house. 
Oh, so stick all the blue and white stuff in one room, perhaps, as maybe, a collection. Maybe, maybe, yeah. if it works. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have China cabinets, but you you need to remember China cabinets aren't just for China, you oh, know. What else, what, what else should be in China cabinets? You could do Buddhas. You could do oh. um, baskets. You could do any number of things to just create a collection, or it could be on a tabletop. Okay. All right. Tabletops. We're talking with Candace Ord Manro, and she's senior design editor for Traditional Home Magazine. Now, maybe, I mean, I haven't, I need to paint in this house. I mean, can I, are there certain, should I paint everything the same color to get that unified theme? Not necessarily. Um, oh, from what I understand. I was hoping you'd I'm, say yes. I'm so. laughing because I'm like, that would be the easy answer, Julie, but I'm guessing it's not the answer, okay. Candace, is it? There are a couple of things to think about. One is how much light your house gets. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go with neutrals, if you get a lot of light, you can go with a strong neutral. Right. Neutral doesn't have to mean oatmeal or ivory anymore. It can be anything from fig, sage, or peach on, you know, fig, through the color wheel. Like, okay. Um, if your rooms open onto each other, it is important, you know, if you can see your dining room from your living room, let's which say. Which I can, which I can. It's important to keep a consistent palette. Uh-huh, okay. So you could use a, a main color in one of those rooms plus an accent color, mm-hmm. and then in the next room, reverse the order. Oh. Use the accent color as the primary color um, and just do a... Uh, uh, trans- transpose those two colors. Okay. All right. That's Julie. Yeah. You can work with that. That's fairly simple. I, I think I can do that. I think. Thank you, Leanne. No, You're I welcome. Can, no, I. You know, I, but I think the idea of using colors to, you know, to pull it all together to make the rooms flow, I think, is is a good one. What are, are there? Some, you know, very popular colors this year, or colors that you might want, I should at least look at. The front of the house is is actually because of the trees is fairly dark, so it's a shaded. I mean, it's not that light. Then I would say you would want to go with lighter colors. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite rug? I have about, yes, I do. Or, yes, I or do. 20, 50? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I have, a, I have a favorite rug, so I maybe should pick out a color from a rug. I would think you would probably want to use a rug to start your design, to start building your palette. Okay. And then just extract colors from the rug to use as your accent colors on throw pillows, on uh, fabrics and so forth. What about the pieces that you mentioned you had from your previous life? From my space? previous life? Yeah, we're we're sort of resurrecting those. Some of them are very nice. And so that's what we're trying to do is mix some of the pieces that we had in our house before we moved overseas with some of the pieces that we got acquired when we were overseas. We're giving some to our sons. We've donated others and putting some in storage. But that's that's what we're trying to do is, is to mix things. So it's not all the same period, but I'd have to say, Candace, I kind of like the same thing. So I keep, it's a lot like clothes. I keep buying exactly. the same kind of thing. Does that happen to a lot of people? Absolutely. That's what's so, so much fun about design because people think that they have these disparate collections or mm-hmm. pieces, but it's the same eye yes. that's buying. Yeah. So they really will work together better than you thought. Yeah, that's, I've been kind of surprised as I brought in, you know, as we unpack things and we bring it into the house, it's like, oh, well, this looks okay here. I, you know, it's unexpected. Mm-hmm. And probably it will work, you know, you can even move pieces from room to room because you have the same eye dictating everything. I think you'll discover that you have a lot more versatility 
in how and where you use pieces than you might think. Okay, so Candace, we're talking with Candace Ord Manro. She's senior design editor for Traditional Home Magazine. What about fabrics? What's the latest trend in fabrics um, in terms of things that I might want to think about if I'm going to recover recover um, a, a, like a chair or something like that, or, or actually curtains, because I don't have any curtains in my house. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you know, this kind of depends on your personal taste. Yes. I don't know if you're a formal or informal person. I don't know, Leanne. What would you say I am? Semi-formal? I'd, I'd say semi-formal, semi-formal to semi-formal. formal. Semi-formal. Okay, then you could do something. Linen, of course, is still very, very hot. Um, and I would recommend getting some kind of homogenous look by recovering all of your existing upholstered pieces in fabrics that at least coordinate. Okay. And you could use natural linen. You, uh, trims are very hot right now. What do you what mean by mean? trim? Uh, like fringe, fringe around the, the skirt of a chair. Oh, okay. <laughs> Julie, <laughs> I, don't Julie, I can tell you're taking notes. It's one thing I you am. don't have. Uh, I am. <laughs> and if you have pieces that are, you know, if you a lot of people complain about having, you know, too many different types of woods, too many mm-hmm. colors. Yeah, that's, the, I mean, that's, I, I have that situation. I have different kinds of wood, yeah. That doesn't really concern me, but if it does concern you, you might consider taking some of your less uh, precious pieces, let's say, and painting them. Oh, oh, Julie, that would be a bold step for you. Painting some furniture. Painting or lacquering, you know, Ooh, you can lacquering. get a whole different look. Whoa, whoa. From, <laughs> That could set me up. We just did the 30-minute meal with Rachel Ray. I don't know. Lacquering furniture. I'm not sure I'm up to as Candace. Yeah. Oh, go bold. You Let me ask it. it this way. I mean, if are there any things that, you know, you're saying a traditional home magazine now are just totally out, like it's over, it's 2007. If you have this going on in your living room, your family room, or your dining room, you really ought to try to update it. Just so I know. I mean, I I feel like I've been in some kind of time capsule because all this stuff has been in storage. So I just want to be up to date. That's funny. Um, Well, we try to avoid the term trend in our magazine because we we think of ourselves as classic. Yes, yes. Uh, But that doesn't mean that everything doesn't need to be refreshed Mm -hmm. periodically. So, um, say, starting with fabrics. Mm-hmm. Yes, if there are any any sort of fabrics that are out now. Uh, maybe chenille. Chenille? Oh, okay. Oh, but oh. I hate to say that because yes. if it works for you, it's it's perfectly valid. Right, right. How about the red dining room, Candace? Everybody I know five years ago painted their dining room red. Oh, that's funny. You should look at our, uh, what issue was it? We did a Daryl Carter design in D.C., and that was one of the challenges that they had. They had a, a red dining room, which was kind of the the hallmark of a D.C., you know, traditional home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- this is a very young family, and they did not want that. So Daryl Carter went in and immediately got rid of the red. Painted it, yeah. No, painted it was it. every single person I know five years ago painted mm-hmm. a red dining room. I should tell you that uh, wallpaper is becoming a hot item again in the home. It is. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, see, here's the thing. Because I've moved around so much, I I never I never got into wallpaper because I could never take it with me. <laughs> right. The thing right. I could take with me, no matter, because this is my move 13, I could always take rugs. So that's why I've got a few more rugs than maybe other people because right. they you can move rugs. Um, but wallpaper, now that I'm settled, now that I'm not planning on moving... Maybe I'll think about some wallpaper. You might think about wallpaper, and if you want a very fresh look, overscaled pattern 
is the big statement in wallpaper. Now, what does it, can you explain that? Because Leah uh, and I don't know what that I know means. what it means, instead but I'm worried. Ha- instead you know. of having, like, you know, remember the mini prints from yeah, the Yeah, like 80s? Laura Ashley, those mm-hmm. cute little prints, yes. Okay, forget that and okay. think really big. Think of a fabric or, or a wall covering repeat that requires some space to really articulate itself. Oh, oh. And that is the statement. But I don't, I'm not suggesting that you do this if you're wanting to showcase your art because it sounds like you have a lot of art collected from Russia in particular. Yes, yeah, I have some. So you don't think the big patterned with the paintings. Listen, Candace, can you hang on? Because when we come back, I want to ask you about how family photos i I have a lot of them and i'd like to display some of them what what is the best way to do that in the home we're talking with candace ord manro she's senior design editor for traditional home magazine and if you have a traditional home and you have a question for candace give us a call at 866-33-SISTER we're the satellite sisters stay with us Get Julie's house in order there in Dallas, right, Jewel? <laughs> yeah, and we're doing that with the help of Candace Ord Manro, who's senior design editor for one of our favorite magazines, Leanne, mm-hmm. Traditional Home Magazine. Now, Candace, what about family pictures? Because I have a couple of box full of pictures, you know, that were hanging on walls or uh, uh, displayed on tabletops in various homes that I've lived in. What's, the, what's your approach to family pictures? Well, one of the treatments that I've seen in the magazine, and I'm using this as my guide, um, is taking those old color family photos mm-hmm. snaps, and turning them into black and white, enlarging oh. them, and then displaying them prominently and giving them a uniform framing treatment. Oh. That sounds like a lot of work. Is it that, is, how do you work. do that, actually? It's work, but, well, it's... It's easy for me because my husband is a photographer. So <laughs> oh, well, I've been able to take count, like, my Candace. grandmother's wedding picture, and he has actually reduced an old print and turned it into a, a wonderful brooch that I can wear. That's um, lovely. But just go to a good uh, photo shop and. And but what that. you're saying is, like, pick out some of your favorites. Your favorites. You've got to. I mean, you've got to yeah. I mean, edit, right? Paul, you can't, yes, you can't absolutely. Winnow, and you can also group according to theme. If you have, I don't know, if there's a Russian period in your life or an Asian yes. period or whatever, you might want to um, display those in a group. Okay. What about groupings? I thought there were, the old rule was, you know, groups of three or odd number groups. Is odd, num- odd numbers is still good, but, you know, I have, we've, sh- we've shown houses that have even numbers and they're just exquisitely displayed. So I don't think rules are pertinent. In fact, just today I was writing a story um, for our October issue, Designers at Home, on the Newport Beach, California home of Barkley Butera. Mm-hmm. Now, who's Barkley Butera? Uh, he is a furnishings designer and an interior designer. Okay. Um, 
So it's a pretty nice home, I imagine, in Newport Beach. <laughs> Very nice home. But the his fundamental rule is there are no rules in interior design, and I think that's really important for homeowners to remember. Um, you know, if you want it, it's good. If you have a favorite color and you think it's passe, it's not if it's your favorite color. That's right, because it, it. It, it is your home. It is your home. It is your statement. It's no one else's. I'm empowered, Candace. Okay. I, I really, I feel better. No, I mean, because you, you, you know, you don't want it to look, you know, you want things to look nice, but you do really, it, it should be a very personal place to live and to have your friends and family over, and I want it to reflect some of the things that we've done in our lives. Candace, you've been great. Candace Ord Monroe, she's senior design editor for Traditional Home Magazine. I'm really fired up now, Leanne. You know, Jewel, I think there are some rules. And uh, I think it would be don't display that monkey table that oh. you had made in Moscow. No, I, I I'm going to put that on our website. You have to take a look at that. I'm I think gonna... that's the number one rule. <laughs> All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. To find out more information on any of our guests, you can go to SatelliteSisters.com, click on What's on the Show information, and all the web links you need are right there. Hey, news, talk, and laughs. We tackle the world one cup of coffee at a time. Have a great day, Julie. Hey, you too, Leanne. Thanks. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>